You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope that this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. We're going to talk about the power of the tongue. You know, God's given us this incredible ability. And the word says in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And a lot of times people stop right there and they don't finish the rest of it. But really the, the best uh, revelation comes in the latter part of the verse. And it says, and those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. So life and death are in the power of the tongue. It's true. But the ones that learn to love the power that God has given us within our tongue, the ability of the tongue, they'll eat the fruit that the tongue is able to provide. And so I don't know if you've ever thought about it like that, but like your tongue is, is really the biggest, um, the biggest factor in what directs your life. And sometimes we, we might have an understanding of this, but I think in practicality we miss out on this a lot because... We, we tend to, as humans, we often tend to speak before we think. And if we would learn to think and only speak what needs to be spoken, like Thumper's mom said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, right? Well, so if you don't have anything that's of God to say, uh, get a hold of what God says, and then you begin to speak that out in your life. Hallelujah. And so the, the word, and I've used this analogy before, but like the word... The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, it says that the word of God is living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so the word of God is compared to a two-edged sword. And when you think about a two-edged sword, if it only has one edge that's sharpened or one edge that's working, it's only half effective. Amen. And so the word of God is meant to be spoken out of our mouths. And indeed, it was spoken so it could be written so it could be spoken. The word was not meant to be spoken only to be written for us to gain knowledge of it. This is a really, really important key right here. Because we have the the word of God. Amen. And we even have prophetic words and different things that God has revealed to us. And those words are only half effective if we indeed don't speak them out of our mouth. And so it's almost like if you have uh, an, an engine, and I use this analogy not long ago, but I'll just say it again real quick. If you have an engine and you only have half the spark plugs in the engine, well, if you only have half of them in there, if it requires six or it requires eight, and you only have three or four, you have half the spark plugs, it will render that engine ineffective. Why? Because the first half of the spark plugs were no good. No, the, fir- the first half were perfectly fine, but it requires all of it combined to make that engine go somewhere. So the word of God is powerful, it's, and, it's, and it's living, and it's active, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And that word two-edged there is the Greek phrase diastomos. Can we pull Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 up there really quickly? Hebrews 4 and 12. I know that this, this is a little review for a lot of you, for a lot of us, but it's good to go back and review and have this really sealed in our heart. So it says... And we'll pull it up here. I didn't give the guys this verse in the back, so they're finding it. But Hebrews 4 and 12, 
And when it says two-edged sword, it's saying a two-mouth is what it means in the Greek. And so it says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged. And that word two there is the Greek phrase, Greek word die, and edged is stomos, which means mouth. If you want to look it up in the Greek, you get your strongest concordance and you, you put your cursor on it, you click on it, or you go old school with the book, it will say diastomos, to mouth. So what it's saying is that there's one edge of the sword is God's word coming from him. And then now we have it written for us to see the other edge of the sword is us speaking it out. And that's what causes it to be effective. And so the tongue is something God's given us that's, that's able to direct the, the whole course of our life. Amen. So we're going to read this verse over in James uh, chapter 3. James chapter 3. Let's pull this verse up here. And I'm scrambling for it in my, uh, in my notes. James chapter 3, and I forget what verse. Here it is, 2 through 4. So let's pull this up here. James 3 and 2 through 4. Is everybody doing okay? Okay. It says, for we all stumble in many things. Who could relate to that? <laughs> Amen. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. We could just go home now. I mean, that's all we need to know right there. If you can tame your tongue, if we can tame our tongue, then it says this. I don't I didn't say this. The word says this. If anyone does not stumble in word, in other words, if their tongue is tamed, he is a perfect man. Who can relate that your words have gotten you probably in more trouble than just about anything else in this life? It's possible even the joke I told was offensive to people. After I told it, I thought, well, if somebody is dealing with cross-eyedness, come talk to me and we'll pray for you to get set free. Amen? Hallelujah. Uh, but anyways, praise the Lord. So we, <laughs> we all stumble in many things, uh, but it's the stumbling of the words oftentimes that will catch us up and cause us to, to get into trouble. Proverbs says one time, and I use this really nasty towards somebody one time when I was younger. It was really bad. It says that even a fool appears wise when he learns to keep his mouth shut. And, and this guy, I hadn't seen him in, in a lot of years, and he comes up to me and he grabs my cheek and he goes, you're just getting so chubby. And I was, and I, what I wanted to do was punch him in the face. You know, but... I've learned to overcome some of those, uh, those mean urges. And so out came my mouth. Instead of um, guiding him to better know how to love, I beat him over the head is what I did. But I said, even a fool appears wise when he learns to keep his mouth shut. And he just looked at me, and I looked at him, and I haven't talked to him since. So <laughs> he didn't say what was correct, but I also did not say what was correct. That was a, probably really a misuse of the word. And so if we can learn to use our tongue properly and filter things before we say it, we'll get a lot. In fact, if, if we can do that perfectly, according to this, we're a perfect person. We can be perfect in the sense of our operation in this life. Amen. Hallelujah. I keep looking at you I, because you have things to offer. I, I know. Yeah. So I was just going to say, this is why the word, the word is so powerful. And, you know, when Jesus, he spoke the word out and he created the reality that we live in. And so the words that we speak towards somebody or from our own mouth, like it's creating the reality in which we live. And so if they are not of the word of God, then you're not probably paying 
painting a correct reality. And so we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to be saying what God says. We're not going to be seeing the things that God says we should be seeing. So our words are so powerful, and that is why it is so important that we guard our mouth, that we watch what it is that we were, are saying, that we're so intentional with our words. A lot of times we say things so flippantly because, you know, it's just like, well, and, you know, we have ability to create with our speech. And so it's so powerful that we watch and are so intentional with our words. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because they can cut good or they can cut wrong. That's right. And I don't know yeah. about you, but I want the words that I speak to be laced in grace and truth and that they're lovely and that they are pleasing and acceptable to the Lord so that I can change reality of myself, but then this, to the people that I'm speaking towards. Yeah. Yeah, amen. So and end a situation, sorry, that, that we are wanting to create. A lot of times we curse things um, when we're saying like, I, Lord, I am believing you for this and I thank you, God, for this. And then all of a sudden we're like, well, that's not going to happen. And why yeah. and how come? And, um, you know, you just, you change your, you change your language um, because you're not, you're not seeing it. And a lot of times we have to grab a hold of the word. We have to keep ingesting it and keep digesting it and keep speaking it. And then we will see the word of work in our life. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly right. And as a matter of fact, I'm reminded of the verse in uh, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. It says that this book of the law or the word shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So in other words, the word, the word of the Lord is never supposed to depart from our mouth, not in the sense that we're not supposed to speak it, but it's because we're speaking it so continually that it's never not in our mouth because we're always speaking it. And whenever we take, see the word will guide us, the word will lead us, the word will strengthen us, the word will protect us, the word will heal us, the word will do everything that we need it to do. And so if it is in our mouth, we have engaged the word to do the thing that God sent the word to do. If it is not in our mouth, we have not engaged the word to do the thing that it was sent to do. The, the, the way that the word works, it's two part. It's heart believing and it's mouth speaking. So if you only believe something and you don't come into agreement with it, you're only halfway to faith. If you want to get fully to the full place of faith, it's assurance that you believe what the word says, but then it's releasing it through your mouth. And really, the, you know, the word says that faith without works is dead. And in particular, the, the work, and I'm talking about legalism, like working to get something from God, but I'm just talking about having corresponding actions to what you believe. If you say you believe that by the stripes of Jesus you are healed, but you never speak that out of your mouth, then you really don't believe it. Otherwise, you would speak that thing or whatever the promises that God has given you. So we have to be able to look at what God says. We bring it on to the inside of us, and then the way that it begins to manifest or get released and bring the benefit that it's supposed to bring is we have to speak it. But like what you were saying is that oftentimes we will speak something because it's like, yeah, that's the right thing. I agree with that. And then we start going the direction. And the next thing you know, we get discouraged. We get disappointed. We can't see the thing at that moment. And so we start speaking different. And you know what that is equivalent to? It would just be like if you were on a, on a ship or you're on a boat and you're like, I'm going to go over there. But it just seems like it's taking so long. You just can't ever seem to get there. And so instead of continuing to go that way, even though you 
you want to get to that place. You turn the wheel and it causes, and, and the, you know, you turn the rudder and it causes the boat to go that direction. And really in James here, let's go to James chapter three and let's read this. James chapter three and verse, I think it was two through four. I'm trying to find it. I keep losing it. Let's pull it up here. There. Oh yeah. It says, for we all stumble in many things. And if anyone does not stumble in a word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. So this is saying your whole person, you can bridle, you can, you can change, you can determine the direction you're going simply by the words that you speak, simply by the tongue. It says, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may o- obey us, and we turn their whole body. Verse 4, and it says, look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small ru- rudder wherever the pilot desires. And so the thing that's significant about this is that we often uh, forget how significant the tongue is because it's so small. And, you know, if you're, you know, you're, you're on a in, on a boat. Anybody ever been on a boat in here? And you know when you're when you're on the boat and it's turning whatever direction, that rudder is not something that most people think about. In fact, it's even hidden underneath of the water. And so, because it's hidden, because it's so small compared to the boat, I don't know what the ratio is, but probably like one to a thousand for a boat. I don't know. And you think about your tongue is probably the same way. It's such a small seemingly insignificant thing, yet it can change the entire direction of your life simply by how you utilize it. So you can be in the water and you can just turn the rudder a little bit and you can go from this direction to this direction or to that direction or whatever direction you want to go. And what's interesting about, about a, 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 a rudder on a ship is that, you know, most boats don't turn very sharp. And, and so I've got a, I've got a 17-foot uh, bass boat and I can turn the thing as, as, as hard as I want to, and it takes a little bit for it to turn and make a circle and, and end up going the opposite direction. That's pretty much how your tongue is. You know, you can say one thing or you can say two things, and it, and it seems like it's not really affecting things too much, but if you continue on that course before you're, you know it, you're going completely the opposite direction of what God designed for you to go. See, what we believe is based on what we say, and what we say and what we believe, they correspond together. So you can't continue to say something and then eventually not believe that thing. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So the way that you think is the way that you see yourself. And the way that you see yourself is what you're going to speak. And the way that you speak is how you're going to see yourself and how you're going to believe. They, it's, a, it's a cycle. And that can work to your benefit or it can work to your detriment. So learning to tame the tongue... And learning to take your words and say, I'm, I'm only going to say this in this situation because this is what God says about me. This is who God calls me. This is what God says about my home. This is what God says about my kids. This is what God says about my dog. This is what God says about my bank account. And no matter what it looks like in the natural, when you take your tongue and you get heaven bent on taking your tongue and only speaking what the word says and not what you see at the moment will change Maybe not instantly, but will change the direction, the course of where you're going, and you will end up at the place that God says. Hallelujah. You know, and I just, I, I have so many testimonies of 
taking the word of God and standing on it, but not just standing on it, because it's one thing to know the word. It's one thing to see it. It's one thing to have it hidden in your heart, but it is another thing to take the word and actually profess it and speak it out. And I know the enemy, what does he want to come do? He wants to rob you from seeing um, what it is that the Lord wants you to see. He, so he'll try to shut your mouth. And so I don't know about you, but sometimes you know when you get this thing in you and you're like, I know I need to speak the word of God and I know his promises are true, but I just can't find myself trying to open my mouth and speak it. Like that is the enemy trying to grab hold and take away the word of God being alive and active and working in your life. And so sometimes it feels like it is just like, You're having to do it. You're having to work in the flesh just to open your mouth. And you're not necessarily even believing it. So you haven't got to the place where you're like, I, I, you know, there are certain words that you have revelation on and you're like, I can speak those. I know those like the back of my hand. I can proclaim those. But then sometimes there's something like that, you know, that the Lord has promised you and you know that it is right, but you just, you don't believe it quite yet. And so I have found that as you take the word of God and you continue to speak it out of your mouth, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and faith is the full persuasion and so the enemy wants to keep you in this gap between the yes and between the amen so between his promise and between you seeing the fulfillment he wants to keep you in this place of limbo where you aren't confessing where you haven't grabbed a hold of the word where you maybe or maybe not believe it or you do believe it you've seen it work for other people but you don't believe it for yourself and we have to get a hold of the word and you grab onto it and you speak it and you say it and you declare it and you claim it and you say this is the word of God to me and I'm not going to move from it and I don't actually feel like saying it right now but I know that I need to say it because I know that is the fruit that I want to eat so I'm going to say it and then all of a sudden as you're saying it and as you're hearing it so that is ingesting and digesting and regurgitating and ingesting and digesting where all of a sudden you're like oh my gosh I believe that word and then all of a sudden oh my gosh there's the amen you see it in manifestation because you didn't let go you didn't let anybody or anything rob the word from your mouth and all of a sudden you saw it alive and you saw it active and it's working in your life right now that's right that is the people that we are called to be that is who we are and i will say i have seen this not once i have seen this not twice i've seen this over and over and over countless times again where the lord is very specific with me and he said I want you to say this. And if you can't say this, then you know what? I just want you to pray in the Holy Ghost until you can get in agreement with what it is that I'm saying so that we can be on the same path. And so it is, it's vital, you guys. It is vital. This is a life or death. It says life or death are in our tongue. Literally, life or death are in our tongue. And so if we aren't speaking Life, you know, it's one thing to not speak at all because we understand that being people of faith, it's like if I don't speak it, then it isn't going to be so. But I don't necessarily. So you're, you're. There's heart condition there. Like you're, you're 
believing one thing and you know you're trying to believe, so you're kind of wavering, but you have to grab a hold of the word and you have to speak it whether or not you feel like it until you see it all the way through. The thing is, is that God, he is faithful to watch over his word. I didn't say your word. He is faithful to watch over his word. That is why it is so vital to get into the word of God. It's so vital to get a word from God. It's so vital to proclaim his word because he's the one who's faithful to see it all the way through. He just needs people here on this earth who will partner with him in speaking it out so that he can see what it is that he wanted to see and you be the one to see it with him all the way through. Yeah, amen. Come on, that's good. <laughs> Let's go to James chapter 1. I want to show you something from James uh, chapter 1. We're going to go to verse uh, 2. And we're going to go 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. So 2 through 8. <laughs> so we're going to go 2 through 8, James 1. Two through eight. And you know, the thing is, is that the Lord, He's the one that is faithful to watch over His Word to perform it. All we have to do is just continue to take care of the Word inside of us. It's almost like, you know, the Word, it comes in seed form. That's the way it comes. And so it has to have a place to uh, be planted and then to germinate and to be cultivated and then to grow into whatever it is that the Lord has. And so, whatever promise it is, whatever thing that God has spoken to you, if you can put it in your heart and you can guard that word in your heart, God's word will eventually, it will guard you. You know, but the thing is, is that God has to have a place for the word to be kept so that he can come into agreement with it. And so he's looking for people to agree with him. You know, what's interesting is that even with the exception of creation itself, nothing from the time of the garden to today does God ever do by himself. He always works in teams. He himself works in teams. He works with people. He works through people. He works and cooperates with people. He causes us to work together. So there's, it's not ever just one thing, but it's, but it's always cooperating. And so people that heavy on, on the like, well, God's sovereign kind of, kind of teaching, like they heavy on that. And I believe God is sovereign. It just has to be in the right context. It's not sovereign in the sense that he controls every little thing that goes on. If that was a sense, then where would free will be? Where would human error be? Where would the devil be in that? And so there are different factors that, that go on with that. And so if you heavy on one side and say it's just all up to God, then that's going to render you passive from doing your part to cooperate with what the Lord has for you. On the flip side, you can get so heavy into faith and so heavy into I got to believe, I got to believe, I got to believe that you're just you're not just you're not trusting the Lord that he's the one to watch over his word. We just have to keep the seed in our heart. God will give it the nutrients when we cooperate to cause that thing to come to fruition. Can I get a big amen? So James chapter 1 and verse 2. Let's read this together. We're going to read 2 through what did I say? Five, six, seven, eight. So here we go. It says, my brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. That sounds like a horrible way to start something, right? Be joyful when you fall into various trials. Why? Because trials are fun. If you think trials are fun, you need to get your head checked. We all face trials and um, they're not fun. That's why they're trials, right? It says, no, no go back to verse two. It says to count it all joy when you fall into various, so different kinds, and really could be every kind of trial that you would fall into, you count it all joy. Why would you count it all joy? And the next verse says, next verse says it says, knowing, it's in the knowing of what comes 
from the trials and how you conduct yourself during the trial, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, and endurance is a much better translation for that word, and patience is not a great word. Endurance is much better. Uh, but let endurance have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now listen to this in verse 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. So if it's saying that, that we need to ask in faith with no doubting, it's, it's essentially saying that it's possible to ask in faith and doubt at the same time. And you know what doubt is, is, is it's kind of like, Lord, I believe, but I kind of don't believe. Lord, I believe, but I kind of don't believe. And this comes back to the issue of the tongue to where we're like, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I'm blessed. You know, whatever it is that you're saying, whatever you're declaring in your situation and then the next thing you know, you come out of the service, you come out of the meeting, you're outside of the bubble of how it was so easy at that moment. And you're like, oh, I just got so much pain and I just don't know what I'm going to do. My bank account's so low. And you get into all this whining and grumbling. What you're doing is you're taking the rudder on your ship of life with your tongue and you're turning it. You're beginning to turn in a different direction. And then you wonder why things don't ever work out. You're, you're actually being double-minded. And so it says, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Verse 7. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. It doesn't say that God won't give. It doesn't say that it's not available to you. It doesn't say that God's mad at you and angry and he'll never give you anything because you're not operating in faith perfectly. This is why I don't just teach faith and I don't just teach grace. I teach a balance of grace and faith. Because grace is God's power, it's his ability that, that gives you what you need, that makes it available to you, but faith is you cooperating to receive what it is that God has given you. So it's not, it is all faith, but it's also all grace. It's all, it's 100% of both. So anyway, so it's receiving from the Lord. So someone who's tossed to and fro, let not that, that man think he'll receive anything from the Lord. Verse 8, for he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. God, I believe you. And you wouldn't say, God, I don't believe you, but, but your mouth and your actions and all this, your thought life, everything that's going on speaks that you don't believe what it was that you once believed five minutes before or the week before or whatever. But the way that faith works is that sometimes you have to continue standing and staying the course to go from where you are to where God wants you to be. I love the miraculous times. Man, we've had miracles. We've had times where it was like, boom, all of a sudden. The manifestation came, and I'm always believing God for that. No matter what the situation is, I'm always believing God for the, for the best. You know, Jesus, the longest, I, I've heard this, I've never studied this out, but it seems right to me from my studies of the Word, that the longest recorded miracle in the Bible or healing or anything like that was one hour. That's pretty good. I mean, if, if it only took an hour for stuff, I mean, that would, be, that would be pretty awesome. But listen, if it takes longer than an hour... Who cares? Just stick with it. Just stay with it. God's word is true. In 1 Corinthians uh, 1 and 20, it says, uh, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. Where we get tripped up isn't the yes and it's not the amen. It's the, sometimes the time between the yes and the amen. We're like, yes, I agree with that. I'm in agreement with you, God. God, you're in agreement with me over my situation. We're both in agreement. This thing needs to go in a different direction. 
and then after a day or a week or a month and, and you've not seen it or not seen it fully, uh, you get, you get uh, grow weary and you grow tired. And then so you don't, don't get to the point of seeing the amen. And then you know what happens is that when you believed God, at least for a period of time, for a little bit, then when you come up against another situation and you begin to speak forth the faith that's in the word and this, oh my gosh, there's, there are gidgads. Everybody say gidgads. There are gidgads of scripture verses that depict this, this correlation between believing and speaking. We don't even have time to get into all of them. They're, they're an unbelievable amount. So this is normal Christian life, to believe something and speak it, to believe it and to speak it. And so what happens is when you believe, and you believe for a time period, and, then, and you speak it, and you do all those things, but you, you have the yes initially, but then you don't get to the amen part, what happens is when you face something else, the enemy will come back to you and say, well, you're going to try to do this thing again, but you already knew what happened last time. It didn't work out. You know why it didn't work out? It wasn't because God was not faithful. It wasn't because his word didn't work. You just gave up on the thing. And that's not, I'm not being condemning. Man, we've, we've all been there. But if, if you allow your past and your past successes or fail, failures to determine what you're going to do in the future, you're never going to do anything. And then what happens is that the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know, Katie gave me one of the greatest revelations of this year to me. She was listening to somebody and she began to explain this to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, it really set me free. Hope deferred, yeah, both of us. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. It wasn't the thing that didn't happen that made your heart sick. It was the fact that Hope got deferred, and hope got deferred because you stopped hoping. Hope is using your imagination in a positive way. It's thinking, and it's continued to believe and to see and to envision. God gave us the ability to do that. And when you use that in a positive way, that is what faith is built on. Because it says that now faith is the substance of. The word of means of, out of, and from the origin of. So it says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for. This is why the enemy works so hard to get us out of hope, because if we don't have hope, we have no substance for faith. And when we allow our heart to be deferred and sick, and we get into hopelessness, and we stay in hopelessness, being hopeless is a choice. Hoping is a choice. It is a choice to be in the middle of a situation and say, I'm going to believe and see different than what I'm seeing right now. On the inside, I'm going to see differently than what is currently, presently manifesting before me at the moment. That is a choice. This is how Abraham, this is how Abraham did what he did. You can go read about it in Romans chapter 4. But it says, um, in hope, against hope, or contrary to hope, he believed. What, is that, what did that mean? It meant Contrary to what he was seeing in the natural, he believed the word that God gave him, and so it came to pass that he manifested what God gave him. And Hallelujah. Know, and I'll just say, Sarah, too, it says um, in Hebrews eleven eleven by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. So if your heart is sick, it cannot, it's not strong, it's, it's sick, it cannot take a seed and keep it yeah. on the inside of it. If our hope is deferred, if we have let our heart become sick, so that is just basically taking our focus off of God and putting it onto the circumstances. That's how hope gets deferred, is that all of a sudden you start looking into a place that you were never intended to look. It's when here then Sarah, she said she, uh, let's see, by faith, 
Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. So she got her eyes off of her circumstances or off of the circumstances, and she began to judge the Lord and say, wait, you're the one who's faithful. You're actually the one who promised this thing. So actually, it is your responsibility to see it all the way through, and I will yield, and I will begin to hope, because it's in that hope that I know faith will come alive, that if I trust your ability, not my ability, I'm not looking at my ability, but I'm looking at your ability inside of me, God, that then I will receive the promise that you promised. It's like just getting ourselves out of the way. It's getting, we have to, we have trained ourselves so good to look at circumstances, to be moved by circumstances, to see circumstances that we forget to go back to the one who is faithful, to the one who said, I'm going to see it through. I am the alpha and the omega. I am the beginning and the end. I know what happens. I have a hope and a future for you. I saw it. I just need you to see what it is that I see because it's in you seeing what it is that he sees, that faith, that hope becomes alive in you. And all of a sudden you're like, Wow, God, you you see some pretty awesome things because yeah. it says that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. He has limitless thinking. We are the ones who cap the Lord and our thinking and our believing. We're the ones who are like, I don't know if that is possible and I'm not quite sure that I can do it. Good, you can't do it. God can do it because if you do it, guess who gets the glory? You. But when God does it, guess who gets the glory? He does. And then what happens? That causes more people to come to him, not to you. Come on. Amen. Amen. That's good. It's a good word. Praise God. Uh, Let's uh, let's close with this one last verse. We're going to go to Mark chapter 11, 23 and 24. Y'all know these verses. They're familiar to you. But it's good to go back and just look at things. And remember, these things are in the Word. It wasn't just the famous preacher uh, 50 years ago that made these verses famous. Jesus made these verses famous because yes. he first spoke them. And so Mark 11, 23 through 24, it says, For assuredly, he's saying you need to have assurance in this. And to give you a little, give this a little bit more in context, Jesus had cursed the fig tree. And then the next day they walked by the fig tree and they noticed that it was dead. And the disciples were, they were surprised. And so then the next thing that Jesus said right before this verse, he said, have faith in God. Have faith in God. In other words, he was saying, when you say something based on the ability that God has given you, have faith that it will work. Because what happened is that he cursed the fig tree and to the eye, nothing happened. But do you know that at the root, that fig tree died? It just didn't show manifestation until the next day. When you speak, I'm telling oh my gosh, I'm telling you something. I'm telling you. You have to know that if you're dealing with a physical ailment, you, you're the one that has power and authority over that thing. Satan does not have power and authority over you. This might hit some of you crossways, but God doesn't have power and authority over, over that situation. 
I think I hit half of you crossways. I thought God was all powerful. He is, but he's given you the authority to release the power he's placed in you. It says that he gave his disciples power and authority to heal all uh, sickness and disease, all of that stuff. You say, well, you think we could just, you think we could do that? Not through our own ability, but through the ability that he's given us. Yeah, just like Peter and John, they went to the gate beautiful and the, the guy was asking for money. And they said, they weren't poor. They said, we left our wallets at home. Amen? Because some people be like, see, they didn't have any money. No, the disciples had money. They said, silver and gold have I none, because I left it at home. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You know, if I, was, if I had somebody up here and I was praying for him, and I said, I've got what you need, rise up and walk. And, and the, the average Christian would just gasp, oh, who does he think he is? Well, I can tell you who they thought they were, who they knew they were. They knew they were sons of God possessed with the power and the anointing and the authority of God to release into this situation and see it change. But you just got to know who you are. Jesus knew who he was. He wasn't confused. That's why the disciples, when they were astonished that this fig tree, uh, fig tree dried up, Jesus wasn't, he wasn't astonished at that. He knew when he spoke the word from the beginning it caused the, the fig tree to die at the roots. It was only a matter of time until manifestation come. Listen, when you speak to your body, you speak to your checkbook. And I've had people go, you can't just speak. to." Yes, you can. Jesus did it. He said, do it like this. Do it just like this. Disciples, do it just like this. When something is in violation to the standard and the place that God has set you in as a son or a daughter, when it is violating who you are, and it's violating the blessing in your life, you make it come into alignment. Don't ask God to do it. You do it. You turn to it and say, straighten up in the name of Jesus. Facing those giants and not just facing them, looking at them in the eye. It's standing with the position and posture of authority saying, yeah. who do you think, think you, you are, are compared yeah. to my God? Don't ever run after a, devil, uh, after a devil or a giant with your mouth shut. David didn't just go up and go, I'm going to get him with my sling. I can do it. He, I, don't know, I don't know where that came from. But anyways, he, did, he didn't do that. He didn't do that. He came in and he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine to defy the armies of the living God? In other words, he was saying, who is this non-covenant person to come against people that are in covenant with their God? You know, the Bible says that we have a better covenant made with better promises. What we have is actually better than what David had because Jesus came and did it. He sealed the deal and you don't have enough power to mess it up. The only thing you can do is just not cooperate with it. But you can't mess it up. His, his covenant between God and God, between God and Jesus, it was too powerful for you to mess it up. So no matter what you did before or how it didn't work or how it didn't pan out, forget that. Forget the past. Step into where you are now. Take hold of who you are and say, in Jesus' name, this thing is going to change. But don't give up on the word. Speak it. If you see it immediately, awesome. If you don't, it doesn't matter because God's word is still true. We don't understand the power we have in our tongue. We take it for granted. We take it for granted. It's so seemingly, it's seemingly so insignificant that we just don't think that much about it. And I was going to say, it says fight the good fight of faith. And that is taking the word and speaking it out of your mouth. What? what? Spitting on my microphone. I'm so excited. I know. So you're just... I just, I get excited. 
<laughs> anyway. Okay, let's finish yeah. reading this verse. I apologize if I cut you off. You're good, but that's okay. 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 Uh, so it says, for assuredly, I say to you. So he said, had faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. You say, well, what, what's whatever? It's whatever God's word provides for you by grace. Because you can't, I've used this story before, but you know, there's this lady that she was like, uh, she believed Kenneth Copeland was supposed to be her husband. So she cursed Kenneth, Kenneth Copeland, or I'm sorry, Gloria Copeland, and uh, said that she needed to die and get out of the way because the Bible says I can have whatsoever things I pray when I believe I can have it. That's just ignorance gone to seed. I mean, that's stupid. You can't, you don't have the right, you don't have the authority to curse somebody else to die. It's all about what you have in covenant. And in covenant with the Lord, we don't have the right to, to curse people and, to, and do, commit adultery. and that We can't do that kind of stuff, right? So it's what the Lord has provided for you. That's the scope of whatever. But what's so powerful about that is that literally whatever the Lord has provided, if you can find it in the old covenant or the new covenant, and it's blessing to you, it's available because of what you have in him. So for next verse, it says, Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, that word there actually means desire. It's whatever you desire. When you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. This is what the Bible says. We don't have to make anything up. It says it right there. Praise the Lord. Isn't that powerful? Man, your situation is one word believed in your heart and spoken out of your mouth. It's just one, one thing away. It's one day away. It's one moment away from turning and changing. Some of y'all need to just take authority over the situation that you're dealing with. Whatever it is, you need to stand up and you say, no, I'm done with this. I'm done with the fear. I'm done with the worry. I'm done with the panic. I'm done with not having enough. I'm done with uh, the pain. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And the way that you change it is you speak it here. And, and you might have trouble believing it at the moment because of just where you're at. But you speak it and speak it and speak it. Eventually, your heart will believe it. We are hardwired to hear and then to believe the thing that we're hearing. This is why you can have somebody that, that will tell a lie you, everybody's got a family member like this. They tell a lie. <laughs> and then you're sitting at, and you heard it years ago, and then you're sitting in a room, and they're telling the story, right? That one story. And you're like, yeah, I was there, and I heard you tell it after that, and you didn't tell it right after that. And you've got, or 20 years down the road, you're still telling it wrong, but you believe it, even though you knew you were lying back then. You believe it now fully. You believe it. Because we're hardwired to believe what it is that we're hearing. That's how somebody can believe a lie for so long when indeed it's a lie. It's not even true. It's because what comes out of your mouth, eventually, if you say it long enough, you will believe it. So if that can work with a lie, how much greater the truth of the Word of God. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit OvercomersChurchInternational.com.